In today's show, we're looking at the Portland Trailblazers. What the hell happens with this team? Where do they go? Why do they have 30 men on their roster this season? We'll find out. Michael Bolton. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at basketballmonster.com and you can find me on Twitter as always at redrock underscore beeble on TikTok at redrock underscore beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. First-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code Locked On. That's PricePix.com and the promo code is Locked On. Thank you for making Locked On Fantasy Basketball your first listen every day. We are free and we are available on all platforms. So we're going to talk Portland Trailblazers. They had so many players played this season. I'm not going to be able to go in-depth on all of them. There are just too many of them because they faked a million injuries down into the season to you know, lose games. Fake, 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 fake. That's what they did. They lost games. They have the fifth best lottery odds. We'll see what that um, in t- what that, what that ends up with in the lottery in like what, three or four weeks, uh, or so when the lottery is kicking off. But that's what they did. I don't think anyone would deny that. And yeah, it's annoying for us from a fantasy perspective. Now we've got stuff to talk about here. Just we'll go through their, their basics and we'll get into the individual players. So we might as well might as well do that now. Warning. Let's get it on, Gilly. <laughs> All right, they finished 33-49. That's six wins ahead of the Hornets, who were the fourth worst team. So we had the worst teams, the three worst teams, who were clearly the three worst teams. We had a gap to the Hornets that sat in the middle, and we had a gap to this next group, who, despite the Blazers being shitful, despite the Blazers being a team that tanked their asses off towards the end of the season, they still won 33 games. So they weren't dreadful all season. It was egregious what we saw for the final three weeks of the season, which, again, we'll tie into this later on, don't play fantasy the last three weeks of the season. Really obvious stuff. Um, but they did attempt. They were just bad. They attempted to play well and to win games during the season. And then they packed it in. Again, with the incentives in place, it makes complete sense to do what they did. And they weren't horrendously bad. 33-49 is okay. Negative 3.8 net rating. Definitely not bad. You know, that's 25th in the NBA. Okay. That shows how bad those bad teams were that if you're just a negative 3.8, you're actually 25th. They're the 15th best offense, the 27th best defense. Now, one of my comments in the preseason, start of the regular season, before the regular season started, when I was getting off some hot takes, about hey, I'm not sure if Chauncey Billups is going to last this season. And then they started out winning a few, few games, they're like stupid, but then in the end, they were bad. And is it Billups' fault? Yes and no. I don't think he's a particularly good coach. And I'm not going to answer, yeah, someone, we had listener questions, obviously. I'm not going to, focus on this one, but someone did ask, hey, with Nick Nurse available, should they fire Chauncey Billups and hire Nurse? And yes, is the very clear answer to me. But there's a lot more that goes into that, right? Um, I think that teams in general can be a little bit slow to move off coaches, maybe not the Raptors, but a lot of, like Billups is not the answer, I don't think, in any sort of situation. Can he lead you to being a mediocre team? Well, I don't even know if that's possible, to be honest. But is firing him for hey, let's try an unknown shot at um, Charles Lee. Is that worth it? I don't know. Like I would never have hired Billups to begin with. But if Nick Nurse is available, which he is, 
and Nick Nurse expresses an interest in, hey, I would love to coach you in Portland, then you fire Billups immediately. doesn't matter if he's only had two seasons. You immediately fire him and you bring in Nick Nurse. Now, I don't know if any of those things are possible or realistic. You'd have to find that answer. So you don't just... You don't have to just fire Billups because Nurse might be available. I don't think there's anything wrong with firing Billups. I think anyone could almost do a better job who's an assistant coach or an established candidate. I don't think, apart from Mark Jackson, I don't think there's anybody, um, yeah, he's not anything that's wowing me. But if that opportunity, if Nick Nurse is like, hey, I want the job, then you give him the job. And I think that'll be the case for a lot of different teams. Their defense was bad. They made moves to try and get the defense better. It didn't really work. And it leads to a lot of the stuff we're going to talk about later is that they swapped out a CJ McCollum, Damian Lillard backcourt because they thought it was too small and couldn't defend to basically have the exact same backcourt that can't defend with Simons and Lillard. The exact same problem that they were in before that we knew and they sort of admitted, hey, this doesn't actually lead to us winning is the same problem. And we'll talk more about that later. Their best lineup of players who remained on the team and played over 100 possessions. I think they only had five lineups this season that played over 100 possessions together. It was Lillard, Thibault, Reddish, Grant, and Eubanks. Out of those five lineups that played um, 100 possessions, four of them included, or three of them included Josh Hart. I think the other one included someone else that wasn't on the team. Uh, that had, that's a negative net rating, negative 1.1. Not not dreadful. It's an okay lineup, but it doesn't really tell us much about the story of the season because of the way that things went with their uh, you know, uh, standings manipulation. Free agency is going to be interesting. They've got $13 million in cap space. Now, of course, they can free up cap space by removing Jeremy Grant's cap hold, or if Jeremy Grant decides to go somewhere else, his 30-odd million goes and they get to $43 million. They've got him as an unrestricted free agent. Justice Winslow as an unrestricted free agent. Drew Eubanks as an unrestricted free agent. There's Cam Reddish as a restricted. Matisse Thibel as a restricted as well. So a lot of these teams that we've done so far, it hasn't been really anything exciting regarding their free agency. These ones are big. These are big. They've also got a team option on the Fort Kevin Knox, who showed a few things towards the end of the season. That's the contract that, of course, the Pistons um, signed him to with that team option. There's no real need to retain him, but we'll see what their roster ends up being. But that's a lot of guys who are out of contract, including the two two-way guys, um, Ibu Baji and, uh, and old mate John Butler. Not even including the million other randoms that they signed. You know, Jonathan Walker is non-guaranteed. Jabari Walker is non-guaranteed next season. Trenton Watford is non-guaranteed next season as well. Then there's all of those other randoms that they ended up um, they ended up picking up towards that. You know, Manea and guys like that. So the Grant stuff. Now you know that I know a little bit of information about the Blazers, and my information doesn't. Ex- I haven't inquired about everything because I'm not going to overwhelm people with stuff. But my belief is that Jeremy Grant will be back on a sizable deal, deal like 550 is my my guess. And there is talk on maybe Grant leaves. My understanding is that he will be back. Jeremy Grant has shown that he does not care about playing for a good team. He just wants to have a role and a lot of money and more power to him. I believe he will be back. I don't know about Winslow. He just can't stay healthy. Had an ankle injury that cost him four months. Um, Drew Eubanks, really solid as a backup center, but that's really about it. He's still pretty young. Reddish, did he show anything? I don't think so. Thibault, did he show anything? No, he just showed he was the exact same player. 
I think you do look to bring them back. Like, but what are you going to bring Breach back for? Two years, six million? Thibault, I wouldn't pay him 10. No way. Like, 321 with a non-guarantee. I, I, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be beaten up if someone provided them a contract which didn't make any sense and they left. I don't, I wouldn't care about that in the slightest, but that's the decisions they make. And I think Grant's decision will be straightforward and they will give him the money. We'll talk more about some of their off-season moves in a second. Actually, we'll do it right now because we're going to get to the NBA draft and they've got the fifth best lottery odds at the moment, according to our mock draft database, which I think has got nine mock drafts in it. The fifth highest player is Jarris Walker. That's behind Miller Thompson, Scoot and Victor. So Walker's in that position. Walker, could he be Jeremy Grant with maybe some more offensive upside? I don't know. Him fitting there next to Grant would be, I, I think, pretty strong. But you have, I have reported this. You have seen this reported that if they do not get pick one in the draft, they will not keep this pick. That is my understanding. They've also got pick 23, and that would be, oh, we'll talk about that in a second. We'll talk Maxwell Lewis would be pick 23. They've got pick 43 as well, who, according to my ADP, is Dayron Holmes. Again, that's just the sort of range of players. Dayron Holmes, I, I, his mock draft position, sometimes he's at 25, sometimes he's undrafted. He's a very sort of interesting, not interesting, he's a, he's a big, and some people just say, don't care. I'm not drafting others. Go, oh, yeah, look at, the, look at the size, look at the production. Um, Maxwell Lewis, a guy that I think is probably going to end up going higher than 23. I'm getting a lot of interesting stuff about him. I think he's out of uh, Pepperdine. Pepperdine or Pepperdine? I don't know. It doesn't matter. Anyway, as for pick five or their lottery odds, if they don't get pick one, my word is they are trading him or trading that pick. And they are trading it to get a big name. Now, there's been a little bit of stuff over the last couple of days about, hey, is they going to move on from Damian Lillard? Other teams are inquiring about Damian Lillard. I have not heard anything on that. My understanding is they are bringing in players to play with Dame. And we saw that at the press conferences postseason from Dame. We saw that in the press conference postseason from Anthony Simons, who's like, yeah, we need guys who can switch and defenders. And if that means that I'm not on this team, then so be it. Which is pretty much to me an admission of like, yeah, like I'm getting traded. So that might not happen, of course. Because they might end up with pick one and they keep it. And then their timelines get really confusing. 19-year-old Victor, 33-year-old Lillard, Simon's at 24, Grant at 29. Like, it's all over the shop. But, of course, you, you take Victor in that situation. But if they don't get another pick, then Lillard wants other people in. Now, my understanding is that they will be looking at a bunch of players. Joel Embiid, if there's any discord there with him in Philadelphia, would be someone that they would give everything away for. Simons, pick two, every other draft pick, everything they can, right? They would do that. Um, Jalen Brown, he's a free agent as well, potential coming up. Um, they would go after him. The name that I heard a lot is Mikael Bridges. And we think we sort of know Bridges can't really be a number one player on a team. He needs to fit as the two or three, which he would be next to Lillard. Um, other names that I have heard is Pascal Siakam. Um, I thought OG Ananobi would be a perfect fit, but I was told, eh, not for that sort of package. So there are, I think they are going to go out and trying to get as big a name as they can. That is what I understand this team is going to be doing. Going out for the biggest name that they can find that makes sense on this team. Could things blow up and they say, well, Lillard, see you later? Yeah, but that's 
to me are only going to be if Lillard says, I want to go. And everything Dame has said is like, you've got a ch- one chance left. Bring me guys. The other name that I would watch for is Draymond Green. Draymond Green, Damian Lillard, Green and, and Grant in the front court. Um, and then you bring in Jalen Brown or Siakam probably wouldn't, Siakam probably wouldn't work with Draymond there. Mikhail Bridges, Lillard Sharp Bridges, Grant Green is your key five. That's, I think, what they're looking at. All right, that, that's again, yeah, that's my that's my thought on on that and where they sit in terms of trades. Today's episode is brought to you by Price Picks. You've seen Price Picks before, I know this because Price Picks is daily fantasy made easy. But they've got a new deal: the one million dollar daily Superflex promotion for the NBA playoffs and the finals. If you have the NBA playoffs finals, one Price Picks user will win a, user will win a chance at becoming a millionaire. One entry placed after eight a.m. Eastern Standard Time will be randomly selected each day. Whoever placed the entry will be giving a six-pack flex with the following payouts. Six correct picks, $1 million. Five correct picks, $80,000. Four correct picks, $16,000. Full details can be found at pricepicks.com slash million. You must opt in at this link to be eligible for the million-dollar entry. Once you opt in, all you got to do is play the game like normal, and you can be the lucky winner. So you go in, you put your entry in, you go your two to six individual player projections, and once a day they go, hey, if you get them right today, you're a millionaire. That's simple as that. Who they pick every day, random, but you put your entry in and you could be the person that gets a chance to win a huge amount of money. It doesn't just have to be for the NBA. They've got lots of other sports as well, but this is the thing we're really focusing on. This million dollar Superflex promotion. So download the PricePix app or go to pricepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. If you deposit $100, PricePix will also give you $100. And if you deposit $50, PricePix will give you $50. Don't forget to enter the promo code locked on at sign up for an instant deposit match up to $100 and go to pricepix.com slash million for that chance at $1 million dues. This week's most electric player We're going to give it to Ja Morant after his big performance yesterday where he tried to carry the Grizzlies against the Lakers. Yeah, let's do it. He was unbelievable, doing everything he could to get them the win. It's the Electric Player of the Week is brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Brilliantly fierce. We know that Ja is fierce. We know that he's elegant. We know that he's powerful. We know that he's doing everything he can to make things better for his team. The Nissan Aria packs pin to your seat power and premium intelligence all-in-one EV. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at nissanusa.com. Okay, that'll bring us back in to um, answer a question from Portland legend, who is always in my mentions and so many other fantasy mentions. I'm not saying that is a bad thing, old mate. I'm saying that you're always there and you're really passionate about your Blazers. So I thought it would be a good opportunity to answer your question from Nurkic Circus is his username. He says, do I see Shaden Sharp as a sixth man if he stays? What are my thoughts on him running the second unit viable as a point guard? That's a really interesting question. And it ties into a lot of what I said. His assist numbers were horrendous all season. His fantasy profile was disgustingly bad all season. And then everyone went out and we saw flashes of different things and went, oh, okay. There's a little bit of something there. And part of the, the stuff that I heard is the way that he played towards the end of the season is they are saying he will be a starter next season. He will be a starter next season, which to me means, sorry, Ant, you're gone. So do I see him as a sixth man? Absolutely not. I think they will be doing whatever they can to start him. Now, could he at six foot six play as a three? Yeah. Why not? Simons, Lillard, 
Sharp, you run into huge defensive problems, obviously. And then you've got Grant at the four, who's sort of taken away a lot of his defensive effectiveness as well. But I think I would be very, very surprised if Shaden Sharp comes off the bench next season. Very surprised. Can he play as a point guard? No, I don't think so. Can he play best case scenario as a secondary, secondary ball handler like Brad Beal? It's absolute best case. Couldn't get to a Devin Booker level, I don't think. Maybe he could run like a Desmond Bain level of ball handler. Maybe. I don't see him as a point guard. I don't see him running the second unit, but I also don't see him as a sixth man. I think that he is going to start, and I feel relatively confident that's going to happen. Let's talk about the players. Um, thanks for your question. Damien Lillard, first guy we're going to talk about here. Lillard was a guy that I was pretty big on because his ADP was insane. It was like in the 30s on ESPN. It was like 17 or something. Well, no, it was actually 15 on, on Yahoo. And I said, there's no way I'm taking this guy in the second round. He's going top 10 for me, and it worked out apart from the nonsense towards the end of the season. Fifth-ranked player in category leagues, ninth in totals. So despite missing all those times, ninth. Minus one ranked fifth. Points ranked ninth with a totals of 22. He's not as good in points leagues as category leagues. We know this. So it was a huge win, I think, if you picked him at his ADP. We know there was the frustration with him uh, missing time towards the end of the season with fake injuries. He ended up playing just 58 games, but he did play 36 minutes a night. He had calf problems all season. That is, that's not a lie. There were issues with his calf where he had to miss time earlier in the season where there were some flare-ups towards the end of the season on it as well. But also remember, if you finished your season on the 19th of March, the date I suggested, Lillard played every game. Well, not every game, but he played up until that date, played on the 22nd, and then he was done. Yeah, that's what happened. So he was awesome. If you use my settings and you drafted him top 10, you got a massive W. But he's 33. He had the best season of his career, basically. 36 minutes, 33 usage, 32 points, over four threes, five rebounds, seven assists, never been a big steals guy, 0.9 there. But 46 from the field, 37 from the line, and 90, I said 37 from three, 91 from the line. This is all great numbers. Big step up from where he, he had struggled last season as well. The surgery clearly to his abdomen helped. You look at his Darko graph there, you know, he's been getting better and better and better and better and just remains elite. 99th percentile on EPM. 99th percentile on estimated wins, which I think was almost second in the league behind Jokic. Like really high numbers. Plus 14.3 wins is amazing for a team that won 33 games. Yeah. Um, his Darko, uh, 4.2. That's 11th in the entire NBA. And his LeBron was 91st percentile plus 3.73. So obviously really strong numbers. His fantasy points numbers were great. Had a huge spike in the middle there with one of those games where he dropped 70. He's not quite as good in points leagues as category leagues. He's still pretty good, but he's not quite as good. His position next year will be very, very dependent, I think, on what happens in free agency. Like if they bring Siakam or, God, Embiid or Brown or Bridges, does that impact his overall 33 usage? Does it drop to 32? Does it drop to 31? If they bring a couple of guys over, then yes, it does. So would I be very comfortable drafting him in the first round? I think I would. Now, a lot of people ask me this question as well. Josh, how do we, how do we possibly draft players off tanking teams? You can't do it because they're going to sit out games. A, end your season 19th of March. The only real team that caused a problem with this prior to that date was the Spurs with ins and outs. And I think the Spurs are... Look, and so much depends. The Spurs get Wembenyama, much like when the Mavericks got Doncic. They were too good to tank. He just pushed them to too many wins. And I don't think we look at this Blazers team and go, well, two years in a row, they've shut guys down end of season. I don't think I care about that. Because every single year, 
We try to make these proclamations of who's going to be shit and who are we avoiding at all costs. Never drafting a Jazz player, never touching Thunder guys, and it blew up in your face. And again, most of the Blazers played through. Yes, I think, I think Simons and Grant might have sat out games there, but it wasn't as widespread of a problem as you may have been led to believe, or if you played into April as you absolutely experienced. So I'm not looking at these guys as avoidance-type situations. Now, they could be in a spot where they can't get any of these trades done, and they and Lillard does say, well, look, nothing happened here. See, get me out of here. And then they will be at huge risk. But from everything I understand is they will be pushing in, and I don't think it's going to be a problem. I hope. Anyway, we fingers crossed on that stuff, don't we? Let's look at his overall EPM graph. Nothing huge takeaway there. Look, just honestly, really, really strong stuff. He had that calf injury early in the season where you can see that those blue dots on the straight line are games missed, and then all the games missed towards the end of the year. But after those games missed, he missed two games. And one of them was that random stuck on a plane for seven hours game where um, they tried to protect his body because he's old and they needed to do that. And then there's one random game there as well. I don't know which one of those two dots that one was. That's a lot of talk on Damian Lillard, but let's go to the next guy. That is Jeremy Grant, who... I was pretty down on this season, and it didn't work out for me. 69th overall in category leagues. Giggity. 85th in totals. 78th in minus one rank. 71st in points leagues. His ADP was 79. I was more looking at him in the 90s or maybe around 100 because i tell you what I, I expected to happen. I expected his usage to drop, and it did. But I also didn't expect him to be a 46% three-point shooter for the majority of the season. And even though that dropped off significantly... He ended up as a 40% shooter, which bumped his overall three-point con- contribution up, his scoring contribution up in big ways. Everything else that I thought about him was 100% correct. I didn't think he'd generate big defensive stats. People thought, hey, he'll go back to this big defensive-minded goal. I thought maybe his usage might be at 20 rather than 22, so I, I missed on that. Um, and I thought he might be like an 18-point scorer versus a 20-point scorer, but I knew the rebounds would be shit. I knew he'd lose assists, and I didn't think he'd get defensive stats. I just missed that he would be that good of a shooter, and I didn't expect him to be the number two option, which he was at times over Anthony Simons. I'm still going to remain pretty skeptical on him next season. This was, I, I think, yeah, on this team, that is best-case scenario for Grant, being top 70, averaging 20 points, shooting 40% from three. I think that is best-case and I will not be touching him around that area. I'll probably put him, again, we'll have to see how the team works out, but I think he'll be in the 90s again for me. And if we look at what he did towards the end of the season, I think that's fair enough. He really started, look at that EPM. Look how random his EPM graph is. We'll go through the numbers. He was 82nd percentile on EPM, really strong, really strong in estimated wins. Darko and LeBron didn't love him as much. 33rd percentile amongst starters for LeBron. 151st in the NBA in Darko. They're not all that strong. And his Darko graphs all over the shop. Look how low it was early on then. Huge spike, big drop-off. Big spike, big drop-off. Big spike, big drop-off. And a lot of that is shooting stuff, I think. Because then he was unbelievably hot to start the season. And then that all disappeared and he really started to play quite poorly, I thought. And his lack of contributions in other categories is a real concern. He is 29. So we are not quite there, but we are maybe starting to hit into the decline phase of his career. And I just would have some... Yeah, has he got... How many more has he got in him in top 100 seasons? One? Maybe? I'm, I'm, not, I'm just not a big Jeremy Grant fantasy believer. His fantasy points graphs a little bit all over the place. His um, production towards the end of the season was obviously impacted by the fake injuries. He did play 63 games overall and played 36 minutes, which I didn't expect 36 out of Jeremy, but part of that goes to how bad the rest of this team was. But there's you know very much inconsistent production 
on his um, points, which is the blue line there. They're all over the place, and they're not always adhering to minutes. So much of it is is shooting from from Jeremy. When did he last play his last game? It was the twelfth. So he finished the season a week earlier, which you know, obviously impacted us in in fantasy. But I don't think that's going to be a um, I don't think that's going to be a huge concern again as we move forward, as, as I've just mentioned. But really, anything can happen, and it's hard to adjust for. His EPM graph doesn't really give us gigantic insights. I don't think there. Today's episode is also brought to you by Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. I know you love being a GM because you try to be a GM by playing fantasy. That's what you do. Now, you go in here and you can just play this game, run a team, hire a coach, set training schedules, sign free agents, draft players, trade players, deal with their difficult personalities, deal with your coaches' difficult personalities. It's all there in the game Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. It's a challenging and realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. Play on the go as you want, when you want to. Locked on Fantasy Basketball listeners get 100% free boost to their franchise when using the promo Locked on in the game store. So make sure to check it out. Download the game, visit probasketballgm.com, scan the code and look it up on the app store. The website is probasketballgm.com. The game is Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. Let's go to Red. Anthony Simons, who last season, when Lillard went out, was putting up top 30 numbers. And I was very, very cautious about where we drafted him. And I think we ended up, and drafters ended up getting it about right. He had an ADP of 99. He finished 83rd in category leagues, 83rd in, or 82nd in category leagues, 83rd in points leagues, 71st in minus one rank, which is interesting to see how uh, that boosted him. I think part of it is like how putrid his defensive stats are. But we know, we saw it last season from him that, or even this season, that when Dame was out, numbers go up. Usage up, but more importantly, ball handling went up. He's never going to be, and this is the problem again with Simons, is he's not going to be a guy that can get by on rebounds or assists or steals or blocks. He needs the ball. Now, he still played pretty well, I thought. 21 points a game. He's only 24. 25 usage. I thought that might have been higher. As Grant got 22, I thought it might have been 20 Grant, 27 Simons, but no. 38 from three. And EPM strong, plus 0.6. Estimated wins, plus 5.2, really strong. The problem I get here is Darko hates him. Negative 1.5, which makes him the 338th best player in the NBA. EPM loves him. But EPM is the only one of the three major advanced stats that I trust that likes him. Because LeBron, negative 1.01. 20th percentile. They are really bad numbers. And you see on this Darko graph, if you're watching on video, while it looks like he's improving, that little gray line at the top is zero. Or Every one of these numbers is below zero, is a negative contributor. Even though, yes, he was really quite poor early on and improved and improved and improved, had a spike at the start of this season and then sort of leveled off as being a negative contributor. That's a little bit worrying for me. Is he's a guy when things are given to him who puts up big numbers and it's, it's, it's hard to like be too critical. Like he shot the ball well. He showed some passing ability. Defensively though, he's really poor, but I don't really think he's shown huge amounts in being a winning contributor. Not writing that off. And if he was given a situation where he was the full-time main guy, we might get good numbers. But we also saw that last season. He put up good numbers, but didn't really lead to good basketball. Look at his fantasy points graph. Obviously, things were pretty rough for him at the end of the season with that fake injury. Was he missed a bunch of... Some, well, there was a real injury, that real ankle sprain, which cost him a bunch of time. And he probably came back a little bit too early from that. So maybe that was actually legitimate. Hey, this is still causing him problems. I've got no doubt that it is. And I think he'll be 
probably limited in his workouts for the next month or two from that ankle injury that he came back too soon from. But he put up some okay numbers early on and then had a really sort of decent-sized dip in the middle of the, of the season. So I'm not a big ant believer for a fantasy, you know, fantasy future. It's going to so much depend on where he ends up or if he ends up on this team or what they do. As He's not a situation-independent fantasy player. He could have three, four top 40 seasons very easy if he went to a team like if he was on the Spurs right now, he would put up 28 points, three rebounds, seven assists, and be a top 40 guy without any concern whatsoever. But those guys who are very situation dependent, which I think Simons is, is that you go, I don't have faith in that translating in six years' time. And that's sort of where I am with him. He had some okay, look, look his EPM stuff as well. We talked about how he was the only positive in EPM out of those advanced stats. Look how strong it started off, and then everything sort of started to tail off a little bit for him towards the end of the season. After a really strong start, some really big games, that was, I think, when Lillard was out early in the season, and then just sort of hovering around, struggling to make an impact in a situation where he's surrounded by other elite players. That's part of my concern with Simons, is we haven't seen him really, really stand up in a huge way when the other good guys are consistently doing their thing. <sighs> what do you reckon about this guy? No question about it. I am ready to get hurt again. No, I'm not. I'm done. He was a guy that was had an ADP of 69. I think I was more about the 70s, 80s for him this season because I just I didn't really know how the Billups defensive scheme would treat him because he just lost all of his block numbers last season and they didn't really bounce back. 0.8 blocks is okay. But it's not it's not good enough for a center. 99th in category leagues, 90th in minus one, 81st in points leagues. Um, he's 29. He played 52 games, 27 minutes only, and 22 usage. If Yusuf Nurkic played 30 minutes a night, he would be a top 50 player. But there are a couple of things holding that back. A, his overall fitness. B, his coach. And C, maybe just him. Yeah, I... Get the feeling this team, even though they just signed him to that contract, which part of this is part of the trade off that this team made last season to get themselves in the position to draft Shaden Sharp, is they said, Nurk, don't play and we'll sign you to this contract. And while they are regretting the contract, I think they're happy getting Sharp out of it. And I would not be shocked if he gets moved on at some point. The understanding I have is that they are pretty sick of him as you know, in the locker room, as a contributor. And while he's only 29, well, he's not 29, he'll be 29 at the start of next season, there yeah, there are some pretty significant declines. 13 points, 0.83s, nine boards, really good rebounder, can still pass, three assists, but 0.8 blocks is pretty bad. Shot 36% from three, 52 overall. I wouldn't say he was a bad player this season. I just think that there was definite clashes with him, the team, and the coaching staff, because those advanced numbers are all strong. 77th percentile EPM, 65th overall player for Darko, plus 1.5, 55th percentile in LeBron. Estimated wins, 3.3, one of the strongest. Like these are all really good. But as you'll see, like he's improved, improved, improved on that Darko metric. And over the last couple of years, we are seeing the decline. I wouldn't be shocked if at age 30, 31, that he is a 18-minute-a-night backup center. I think we are trending that way very, very quickly. Injuries, again, were a problem, but you know, fake injuries at the end of the season, as you can see, like a whole bunch of time missed. He had a significant calf injury there, which was real, and then the fake injuries towards the end of the season. But his production is very, very tightly married to his playing time. 
you look at those two graphs, they're basically in the same the same shape as each other for fantasy points. And I, I am worried about where his future is. I think they would love to get someone else in that position and it could happen as soon as this season. So if you are a Nurkic dynasty manager, I think you should be getting prepared for the cliff to come relatively quickly. His EPM graph had some really strong moments. Like he was actually impactful, but being on the court enough to be impactful consistently is part of the problem. And if that means... And if the reason he's not on the court is because of issues with the locker room, then that's a problem as well. Struggled when he came back from his calf. Not really a shock there. If he was just said, no, you're playing 31, we would know that he would have good fantasy numbers. But there's all external factors that are likely going to prevent that as we move forward. Let's talk about his replacement, Drew Eubanks. He's only 26. So he's not super young, but he's not super old. He finished 167th in category release despite playing 20 minutes a game. 78th or 78 games total, 12% usage was obviously really low. Better in categories and points leagues. And like the season before, stepped up and for a lot of you in fantasy playoffs was a big, big contributor. He was able to put up big numbers towards the end of the season. And what he is, is a really strong, viable backup. He's a solid rim protector. He averaged 1.3 blocks in 20 minutes, six points, five rebounds, 1.3 assists, shot 39% from three, really low volume, of course. 64% from the field, 66 from the line. But don't confuse some of that end-of-season production to think, well, is Drew Banks a future starter? Because I don't believe that's really remotely the case at all. His advanced metrics were pretty bad. Negative 2 EPM. Darko was bad. LeBron was bad. His estimated wins were okay. Like They're not, they're not dreadful. They're sort of 43rd percentile EPM, so less than half the league. That's okay. That's strong enough as a backup center. Get out there for 20 minutes. Fill in when we need you to. Um, but a lot of his big stuff happened when everybody was out. You look at his EPM graph, he's just sort of solidly, or not EPM, his Darko graph, just solidly productive, big spike towards the end of last season, just establishing himself as a solid backup center, which I think he can be for the next few seasons. His fantasy points graph, you'll see he doesn't do a huge amount there, big spikes at the end. When he was able to start, he had a little starting stretch in the middle there when Nurkic was out. That's really about it. Like he's solid, but he's not like, oh, he's a hidden gem. He's going to be this unearthed starter, I don't think. His EPM graph, we don't see a huge amount there, but interesting, that big dip in production is when he started for Nurkic the first time. So moved in, really solid as a backup, moved into a larger role, ooh, a big negative impact. That's that's part of the concern, is that he does what he does, but can he be relied upon to do more? Probably not. Probably not. And that's, that's again, some of my issue with him as we move forward. What about this guy? I don't know what the hell to make of Justice Winslow. 113 category leagues per game, but 320th in totals because he played 29 games. He obviously wasn't drafted in any leagues. His Yahoo points rank was 188th. But he played 27 minutes and on a 14 usage, and he's relatively impactful. He suffered that grade two ankle sprain in December. He was out for a month and ended up getting surgery on it. This just is a continual pattern where he cannot stay healthy. And I think at this page, stage, he's 27. I'm not saying his career's over by any stretch, but the lower body stuff for him can't hold up. He played 27 minutes, he averaged seven points, five rebounds, three and a half assists, one steal. Now, five rebounds, three and a half assists, one steal in 27 minutes is, is pretty strong. The problem is that he can't score or can't shoot. Every one of those percentages is bad, 41, 32, 71, they're bad. Um, his advanced numbers are okay. They're not, they're not great, but they're okay for a guy that you don't actually think was a useful contributor. 60th percentile APM, 52nd estimated wins. 
LeBron and Darko are not quite as big of fans, and his Darko graph is wild. Look at that. You know, he was ascending, 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 missed a bunch of time, and then became absolutely useless. And that was where he was with the Clippers, where he couldn't do anything really. And then um, moved to the Blazers, and everything stepped way up. And then he sort of dropped off a little bit. He's still a nice little later career resurgence, but not someone that they should look at as a an answer. The problem that him is if he's back, and they bring Cameridge back, and they bring Matisse Thybul back, and they bring other guys in, there's not enough minutes for them. There's not enough minutes for him to play 27 a night. There's not enough minutes for Reddish to Thybul to even play in these situations. And Reddish and Thybul, while they probably aren't as good as Winslow overall, Winslow a better defender than Reddish, worse defender than Thybul, better offensive player than Thybul. He's older. He's like four years older. Well, maybe not than Thybul, but than Reddish. So I, I don't really think there's much to look at there. And as you see, his graph like just done. December, finished. Didn't play again because of that ankle problem. That's been a consistent issue for him. His EPM started off strong. It did drop off a little bit uh, as the season went on. It became less impactful. He was okay, but nothing that we look at and stand out and go, yeah, there's going to be good stuff happening. Let's go to Reddish, who was 228th um, in category leagues, 223rd in minus one, 236th in points leagues. Really didn't play at all much for the Knicks this season out of Tom Thibodeau's rotation and came across in the Josh Hart deal and played a couple of good games, but in the end they went, don't, don't know about that. That's basically the vibe I got from them. Yes, they were trying other players, but I wouldn't say Riddish was playing well enough that necessitated him being rested to lose games. They rested him because he had a, he had a back problem, but also just to give other guys a look. He's 24 only. He played only 40 games, 25 minutes, 17 usage. His shooting... This is the concern. 31% from three, never been a good shooter. At least he improved his free throws. 44% overall. 10 points, two rebounds, a three, a steal. He can be an okay steals guy. He can hit threes, but he's wildly inconsistent. And I just don't really know what the point is of Cam Reddish anymore. That's three teams now. Is it them or is it the children who are wrong? Like, what is it? Is it him that's not good? Because his defenders will say, well, he's just not given a chance but three teams don't give him that chance. And maybe they just say, well, we're not giving him a chance because we gave him a chance and he wasn't good. Like that's three different teams. That's where you start to go. I don't really think it's there anymore. I know he was a highly prized high school recruit, but college, Atlanta, the Knicks, and even the Blazers hasn't shown any of that stuff. So I just wouldn't have faith in him. I don't think there's a future upside starter here. He's still 23. Look, he's young. But there's no way that I view him as a starter. I just, I don't think there's anything exciting to look at here. Yes, Obi, I agree. Um, negative EPM, 41st percentile. 397th in Darko. Third percentile LeBron against starters is horrific. And you can see that Darko graph. Nice little bit of a spike there when he got traded and then exposed to minutes and things dropped off. And you can see that in his fantasy points. Like Nice little spike here and then things dropped off. Some of that was game management with... Uh, injuries and things like that. But again, it also reflects in his EPM where he got traded and you can see that dotted line in the middle of the graph is the trade. Played well the first couple of games and then, yeah, just sort of back to back to normal business of being a negative impact player. I don't see much for him in the future. I'm interested in Trenton Watford as a player. He is 22, second year player. 251st in category leagues, 252nd in points leagues. 22, played 62 games, 19 minutes. Seven points, four rebounds, half a steal, two assists. And like last season, everyone got shut down. He started, played good games, and got hurt himself. That happened last year as well. And we didn't really get to see a full opportunity for Watford to put up good numbers. He shot 56, 39, and 72. Really interesting. 
I'm not loving the advanced impact stuff. Now, some of that is skewed by how just dreadful his teammates were when he was playing big minutes. But a negative wins guy, negative 0.5 is bad. 400th in Darko, 12th percentile LeBron. And look at that graph. Like As opportunities increased for him, the faith in him being a better player decreased, which is a little concerning. I thought he was solid enough. Can he be a rotation guy? Sure. Would I prefer him or Jabari Walker to get a look? I think probably Jabari Walker, who I'm not even going to talk about in detail today. Look at his graph there. Like he had some moments where he's injured or out of the rotation. Had some production towards the end of the season when Grant went down. But that's really all we've seen flash. He hasn't been able to push himself into a regular role when players have been healthy. Um, again, nice little spike towards the end on his EPM when he was given a large role, which is what you want to see. Give a larger role. Let's do a little bit more impact-wise. But I'm I'm probably more, more interested in him than the Reddish, say. But I think Jabari Walker has probably got more future as a player. And now we get to Shaden Sharp. And why am I talking about Shaden Sharp so late? Well, his fantasy impact was bad. Like he was a bad fantasy player for the vast majority of this season. He We didn't really know how to judge Sharp because we hadn't seen him play in college. We had some random Canadian rep games that we were able to look at, and that's about it. He was 272nd in category leagues, 246th in points leagues. He was drafted, apparently, in some leagues at 139. don't know why. He's only 20. He played 80 games, and the two games he missed, I think, were bullshit rest games. 22 minutes, 19% usage. That's something to watch, 19 usage. I'd expect that to hit 23-24 next season. Big jump. 10 points, 1.33s, 3 rebounds, 1.2 assists, half a steal. That's where we have the problem. He didn't play 12 minutes a night. He played 22. And we get an extra 10 minutes, and that's to say 50% increase in what his playing time will be next season, I would expect. 50% increase makes him at 0.7 or 0.8 steals. 50% increase gives him 1.8 assists. They're terrible numbers. He did flash a little bit towards the end of the season. And if we look at what he did as a starter, 33 minutes, 18.5 points, 3 assists, 5 rebounds. His um, free throws actually improved somehow as a starter from 67 to 77%. His usage went up to 22%. So that's all encouraging. Hit 2.33s at 36%. It was very encouraging what he was able to do. But remember, he was able to do this because everyone was out. When Simons went down, they wouldn't start him. They would keep him in a small role. When Josh Harker traded, his role didn't change. They only felt comfortable doing it later in the season. The advanced stuff is really, really bad. First percentile for estimated wins. 17th for EPM. 333rd in Darko. 6th percentile LeBron. The graph shows some improvement, but definitely not rapid improvement. Although I do have some faith in him. I think that he can you know, step, take steps forward, but my problem with him overall is going to be, are you just a points and threes guy? And I think for probably two years, he, he will be. I think there is something for him. Uh, defensively, I don't know about it, but I think there is something where he can develop into, say, a Zach Levine type of fantasy player. A ceiling that gets capped somewhat. Levine's still really good, obviously, but he doesn't. can you become a top 10 guy? Probably not. The ceiling does get somewhat capped, but multiple runs as a top 40, maybe even a top 30 go in there is possible. 24 points, four threes, four rebounds, four assists, 1.0 steals. He can peak at that for sure. I'm encouraged by it. We can't read huge amounts into the end of the season, but there was a big spike there. And you know, development isn't linear. This doesn't mean he keeps going like this. 
And a lot of research has been done on rookie production. Say, so, well, what, what do we, you know, when we look post-All-Star break, does that indicate what they do year two? And the answer is no. It's way more insightful to look at what they did full season versus what they did end of season, which seems counterintuitive, but it's what the research has borne out with that. The advanced stuff, as in, was bad all season and then stepped up when he was giving a large, given a large role, which is very encouraging. It's very encouraging. And I, as all this ties back to what I believe is going to happen, I think he's going to be a starter. I think he's going to play 33 minutes. But if he's playing next to Bridges or Brown or Siakam or Embiid and then Grant and then Lillard, when does he touch it? And then what else does he do in other areas to help? And that's where I think there is a risk of him being overdrafted. He was great. But I think there's a huge risk of an overdraft on him where people go, much like we saw with Jordan Poole this season, where Poole put up these big numbers because Steph was out and Clay was out last season and they never overlapped and Poole was great and people go, let's take him in the 60s. I was like, yeah, how does he do it? How does he get the touches? How does he get the minutes? How does it all make sense? What else does he do if he's not getting big minutes in usage? And I think if we look at what Sharp did towards the end of the season, we might run into a similar problem with him. Long-term, I am pretty interested in him. I think there is big upside I, when I redo my redraft for that draft, I think I'll probably bump him. I don't don't, don't know yet. Um, but I'm very interested in what he did. Let's look, look at Matisse Thibault, who did come across and establish himself as a starter after really not playing early on in the season for the Sixers. He was out of the rotation. He was drafted in 14% of leagues at 139. Insane drafting. It made no sense to draft him. People get hung up on overall ranks. They look at, oh, well, he doesn't turn it over. Look at that. He was actually 80th because he got 1.5 steals and 0.4 turnovers. Understand he does nothing else anywhere else. He finished 277th in category leagues, 341st in points leagues. He's 26. He's a restricted free agent, older. 71 games, 17 minutes, 10 usage. He averaged four points. He did average 1.2 steals. He did average 0.5 blocks in 17 minutes, which is very, very good. 44, 37, 68 is his percentages. The three-point shooting was better, but he's still not a threat out there and not reliable enough. And he just doesn't take shots. His advanced stuff is all good because he's an unbelievably elite defender. So his EPM was negative 0.6. That really all just came from his defensive contribution. If I bring up where his defensive numbers is, I'm just going to go have a look at that. They are like, I think he was like 91st percentile in his, um, in his defensive EPM. Let's bring that up. If the site would respond, that would be good. Um, yeah, 98th percentile in defensive stats. Justice Winslow also 98th defense, defensive uh, percentile in defensive EPM. But the offense is so bad. He was 98th in um, defense, 16th in offense. And that cancels out to being yeah, around league average. And that's the same with most of his stats. Little spike there you see on the Darko graph when he joined Portland. And he got a little bit of an offensive boost, but it did come down pretty quickly. I don't think they want to go into the season with him as a starter. And I don't think he will. I think there'll be other guys who can step up into that role. And I don't think he's a draftable guy. I don't think there's really any untapped offensive potential here. So he's going to remain, I believe, as a steals streamer for the rest of his career. I don't think there's anything else for it. The impact stuff. Yeah, look, he moved across. You can see the dotted line again with the trade and impact just dropped off solid straight away. And then he started getting a larger role and his impact declined because his offense is that bad. That's, that is the problem. The last guy I'm going to talk about here is Nasir Little. So that means that I'm not going to go into detail on a bunch of players on this team. Skylar Mays, who was good at the end of the season, played six games. 
Jonathan Williams. Okay, fantasy numbers, five games. I'm not going to talk about Justin Manea. I'm not going to talk about Keon Johnson or Jabari Walker or old mate Chance Comanche or Kevin Knox. I don't really think there's huge amounts to talk about. Jabari Walker is an interesting player, 20 years of age, second-year player. Didn't really get a huge opportunity, but was massive in summer league. He's an interesting guy that can develop into a rotation piece, I think. I don't think Nassir Little can. I'm. There was the big opportunity for him. I thought that, yeah, look, he's a guy that had that, again, like Cam Reddish, the high high school pedigree. Never worked out in college. Didn't work out for the start of his career. And then there was an opening at the three to start. And I thought that they would start him over Josh Hart. But not only did they not start him over Josh Hart, they just never played him. He played 18 minutes a night. He's 23. He couldn't do it. Now, we know that he's not a good fantasy player. His fantasy profile is bad. But he couldn't even get minutes to boost it. Six points, a three, two rebounds, under an assist, under half a steal, under half a block. He's got the size to be an impact defender, but he can't do it. He hasn't shown any ability to do it, really. Shooting was better, but not great. 36 from three is okay, but it's lower volume. And his advanced stuff was horrible. Negative 4.4 APM, third percentile wins, 451st in Darko, which is basically almost the worst player in the league. And LeBron was pretty bad as well. And you look at that graph, a nice little you know, rise there in his production, and then things really turned to shit towards the end of the season where he just struggled. Injuries, again, continue to cost him. Big gap in the middle there. Multiple injuries for his shoulder through his career. Um, again, has the occasional boost. You can see that one big spike game there, but can't ever do it consistently. And he is 23. He is, what, three years in now. I I don't I don't see it for Nasir Little. Um, I wasn't big on him as a player in general, and he just doesn't have a great fantasy profile or, or an on-court impact, really, at this stage at all. And that will bring us to the end of the Blazers. They are one of the most interesting teams this offseason. What do they do with that draft pick? Do they go all in to try and bring guys in to give Dame one last push? Does Dame get frustrated that they can't do it and then ask to be traded? Absolutely both possibilities. I don't think... That, I've heard nothing to suggest that Lillard would be traded, but over the last three, four days, a little bit has leaked out on that. And just watch. So watch for Embiid, Brown, Siakam, Bridges, Beal. Watch for Draymond. Watch for these things. There are a few interesting things happening. And if they don't get pick one, watch for Simons to go somewhere else as well. And that will do it for me today. Don't forget to follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app. And if you're on YouTube, you thumb it up and you leave those comments down below. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.